all those lovely degrees and I cut fish for a living. Yay. So, <laughs> so that actually circles to one of my notes that I have here is because one of the things I've always great admired segue. about you is how you've been able to balance keeping your creativity alive and stimulated as a big part of your life. And also being like, no, but I have to pay my bills and work for a living also. And you've had, I I think you've modeled like one of the best ways of being able to do both. So like me, when I went to college, I went to college for accounting, spent all my nights in the theater and got up for my 7am accounting classes and hated life because I was like, yes, I love the theater, but I don't want to be a waitress in New York. So what else am I going to do? I'm not going to major in theater. So I, I wanted a practical degree. And then since then, I've sporadically been able to, as a hobby, get myself into theater, but it hasn't taken root. I haven't stayed in like the things that I'm passionate about. Whereas you have consistently kept singing a huge part of your life. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, you probably made a very wise decision to decide you didn't want to be a waitress in New York City. I waited tables. Oh, God. Mostly because I don't like, I I don't like being in New York that long. It's way overstimulating. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hmm, yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't know how I did it for so long. I was at one restaurant for twenty-two years, um, so I guess all yeah. told, I probably waited tables for almost as long as Missy's been alive. Almost, almost. yeah, minus minus maybe six years. But yeah, I waited tables for about twenty-four, twenty-five years. You know, it was what it was. It it paid some bills, and I had a really nice. I enjoyed. There, there was a about a ten-year, ten or eleven-year stretch where I thought I had it just about perfectly worked out. I was teaching at the university as an adjunct. I was singing, you know, I had a church job, I had opera gigs and I waited tables on the weekend. So like, you know, everything was great except I didn't have any health insurance other than like I had, I had to pay for it myself. Luckily you're very healthy though. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, every time I go see the doctor, he's like, I don't know why you're here. You look like you're healthy as a horse, but. That's good genetics right there. Right which I don't have. <laughs> I did not get that side. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how I managed to get through my entire life without breaking more things than I broke uh, my mouth aside. Um, That's right. You broke your entire skull. <laughs> yeah. Just about, uh, yeah. <laughs> the face but, of your skull. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise I like, I broke a toe and I broke my elbow in all fairness, somebody else broke my elbow, but um, <laughs> By the way, yeah. I just want to go back to the whole, you broke your face and you are so incredibly good looking. How did you manage to do that? Thanks. Yes. Um, Cause you pulled sure. it all back together. Perfectly. Yeah. Perfectly. <laughs> Frankenstein right here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I managed to shatter my jaw, broke my chin in half, broke this condyle or fractured this condyle, broke this one, had teeth go through my lower lip knocked out three of the four teeth in front, like broke them off at the gum line. Uh, and for our crazy. listeners, this was a falling down accident. He wasn't in a brawl or anything. <laughs> I need a better story. It should have been a brawl. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> so we'll just, cut th- we'll just cut that out and say, so he was in this major brawl in a <laughs> bar. And that's why he went gluten-free. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he had to cut yeah. out the beer after that. <laughs> That's what happened. Nothing to do with gluten. (laughs) The fight with a guy named McAdam was terrible. Do you get that joke? No. Irish name, Irish bar. That's Irish bar. Yeah. I'll see, but it it all works out. McAdam is, it's it's asphalt. That's the material that parking lots are made out of. Oh, 
Where does the cat <laughs> come from? I forget. Okay. One Maybe of those... it's a brand or something. Yeah, it might be. Oh. That's what that combination of aggregate and wow. whatnot is called. So that's uh, pretty accurate then. Yeah. <laughs> my my <laughs> brain. I don't know if we've met or not, but my mind is full of absolutely random, otherwise useless information. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> I love it so much. And every once in a while it just falls out in conversation and like yeah. one of those moments. But I remember at one of Guinevere's birthday parties talking about like something I was doing at work and grandpa sitting there and he was like nodding his head or whatever. And the best compliment I ever I've ever received in my life is grandpa goes, All right, well, so it sounds like you really know what you're doing. And just walked away and there was like no <laughs> there was like no interjection. Oh, I was nice. like, Yeah, that some is a great of my, compliment. Uh, some of my best compliments, because I've always been like, I don't have the super great vocabulary that, you know, our family is known for. I don't, I can't sit and do a crossword puzzle to save my life. I don't have a whole bunch of these real random facts. So I've always been super intimidated coming in, especially as like the step niece, which you are literally the only person in the family who has only referred to me as your niece and not an extension of Missy. Really? Really? Yeah. Everyone else will be like, this is my granddaughter, Missy, and this is her sister, Cheryl. And sometimes just feel the need to give the story. She's not really our granddaughter, but she's like a granddaughter. Um, dad started changing his. Dad has started changing. Since Guinevere has been born, dad has changed his language because he used to say, this is my this is my daughter, Cheryl. She's not really my daughter. She's my stepdaughter, but I've known her since she was five. And like, you don't need to tell strangers the whole story, um, hmm. says the two people hmm. with the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Every, anyone who's gonna, who can listen. Yeah. But you're the only one who's never done that. You've always just introduced me as your niece or referred to me as your niece. Well, cause you are. Because I am. Um, but that's always been something that I've always been intimidated about because like, I'm like, I'm the other and I don't quite fit in. But you guys always have like this, this great, like I said, vocabulary and all of these facts and know about things. So for grandpa to just be like, all right, well, you got a handle on that and just step away. I was like, oh, my God, I made it. Like, I, made I, it. It. <laughs> I made it. I'm in the club. Somebody. <laughs> That's funny. So actually talking about that, it, it brings up for me also something that I wanted to point out to you. And one of the reasons like we have you on, cause, cause like I said, we admire you. We love you so much. You've been so accepting of us. And obviously for Cheryl, there's different reasons, right? Because she was kind of married into the Williamson clan. And so that, there that means no marriage. I know that. <laughs> I know that. I was using that word very <laughs> figuratively. Um, you're but, more like held hostage. <laughs> you're stuck with us. And Sorry, like, so, and like, so for me, it's been really, I love having you as my uncle because you're the person on that side of the family that I can be like, you two, actually, it's great to have you two at once because you two are the only ones that know like everything about me that I don't hold anything back. I will be completely honest with you. And so like you two are the first people in our family to know that I smoke weed 
and whatever else, you know, back when it was way more taboo than it is today, it's not quite as taboo, especially on my side of the country. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it was decriminalized and, in Philadelphia and they've opened dispensaries in New Jersey. So yeah, yeah, slowly catching up, slowly getting there. I was yeah. just invited when I got CBD today, I was invited to the retail store where they also sell THC. And I was like, oh, I didn't know we're doing that in Virginia now. Okay, cool. Oh. I, saw, I saw a friend post a vacation picture from, a, well, a friend, an acquaintance from high school with whom I, have, I am friends on Facebook, posted a picture of, I think they were in Norwalk in Connecticut. And it was a poster that was like, I guess it was for a class at the rec center, but it was on how to roll joints. <laughs> a class, on how, to roll class joints. on how to roll joints. In that would have been pretty useful when I was like 16, 17. Yeah. I would say you figured it out. I did, but not until like my 20s, late 20s. Like, super is it really recently. that hard? When your friends you don't let you learn, yeah, it is. It's a pet because, like, I, I was friends with all these potheads that wanted to, I'll teach you next time. I want to smoke a good one today every time. And I'm like, okay, well, one time you're going to have to let me roll it and teach me how to roll. Does rolling it really matter? Isn't it what's inside that counts? <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Um, no, it's not what's inside that counts. It's not. <laughs> it is, but, it, but it's how you... It is, how, but how also... Mm-hmm. And can you roll yes. it and keep it inside without it falling out either end and then yeah or getting it in your mouth when you inhale or burning all the paper outside of the stuff that's inside or burning all the inside first before the outside and yeah it matters oh yeah, that sounds so uh, disgusting oh it can be it can be bad <laughs> it, can it, be is bad. it is definitely a, a skill that some people at which some people excel yeah mm-hmm. i do now i also like smoke bowls oh i see that yeah, I, I don't know anything about it, clearly, except okay. that y'all are into that life. <laughs> oh, anyway, the only reason that came up is because I am. <laughs> is it time for wine yet? Is it afternoon? I got 15 minutes. <laughs> I got 15 alcoholic. minutes till it's the PM. Till it's PM and I can start drinking some wine. I, I guess think. if I just mix it with some orange juice, it becomes a breakfast. A mimosa. Type. Yeah. Oh God, wine it? No, that's champagne and orange juice. Yeah, we know. We oh, know. We know wine and OJ? Yeah. Blah. I agree. Blah. So anyway, I brought all of that up in the first place to even just say that I also when I when I came out, <laughs> it was very controversial in our family. <laughs> and <laughs> like I told you, and you were like, Yeah, I know. Like no shit. Yeah, and I was was like, my reaction was pretty much the same. It was like, uh huh. I didn't expect, uh, but I, I so did not expect Uncle Steve and you to be like, yeah, I know, and so does Grandma. (laughs) And I was like, what? And you, you were like, yeah, your grandmother said to me like ten or fifteen years ago, like, do you think that Missy might be? And I was like, yeah, totally, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) And I. And I was so surprised that that was, that that was a thing. And so I just brought, I bring that up because, you know, there's the, such a difference between you and dad and grandma and grandpa. And I like find that you are, we obviously are all like both of them, grandma and grandpa. We, you know, we both have a lot of, we all have a lot of qualities and flaws from both of them. Although I can't really pick out a flaw that grandma has. 
I'm sure they're there, but she's just perfect in my eyes. Um, <laughs> and Uncle Stephen made a face there. Like he was thinking of maybe one or two that came to mind. I, I, was, I was trying. I was like, in the, trying. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no flaws. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of goes is, along with what I was going to say. I was gonna that say is the family it. trait right there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like gonna say you're way more grandma and dad is way more like grandpa I find in like the big the big qual the big traits right yeah like, no, I have no idea how that happens because it's not like there's little differences yeah there's significant know? huge major yeah. differences and like, then the things that are the same are so the same yeah there are definitely things that are the same but there are absolutely things that are night and day difference. Oh, like, absolutely. Between dad and grandpa? Called me no, to... between, between grandma and grandpa and Uncle Stephen and dad. Oh, okay. I was trying to understand because I was like, because I'm like, so there's big differences and big and things that are very much the same. Yeah. So we're talking about. So about... I was thinking grandpa and dad because I immediately was like, oh, no. yeah, there's like it... no differences between them. I see some huge differences. Really? There are some things that just meant, meant, I guess it's more like similar qualities that have manifested so differently. Fair. Hmm. Fair. So like the example I use is um, grandpa will show up at a birthday party at a playground in 88 degree weather in business casual attire and Dad will show up in a Harley Davidson t-shirt. I see what you're saying. That's a little <laughs> bit different. Dad is like a little bit like rebel version. Yes. Because I use that yeah. as the country. example. What'd you say? A He's little, little country. Because <laughs> <laughs> I use that as yeah. the example when he was trying, when he was talking about Missy, because he was like, I don't know where she gets this from. And I was like, really? Really? You don't Everything know where she gets this? Everything that bothers me about him, I get from him. Does he, and like I pointed it out a few years ago to him it in therapy and he was like oh yeah, <laughs> and that, I was like that hurts yeah, my feelings bro <laughs> yeah he didn't like it when I was like when I was like uh-huh you're just a little bit uh, she's a little rebellious really okay and I was like she has some tattoos really <laughs> <laughs> right of a naked woman on your arm um because I'm sure that life, like <laughs> I also have a naked, that's so funny. I got a titty on my leg. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> you got a titty tat. <laughs> a titty tat on your leg. Ti- oh, a titty tat. A titty tat. <laughs> I was like, whoa, I wasn't that raunchy. In my <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I do see some big differences. Between okay, them. that's fair. I see what you're saying. Yeah, but and no, we were, we were saying the big differences between grandma and uncle Stephen and dad and versus dad grandpa. grandpa versus yeah okay. thank you yeah so it's interesting to me how they could be so drastically on different sides and still be in a together for, for over like 50 years 100 years yeah 100 years so what is that like growing up with two parents that are so different in their approach to life and i assume parenting too well i mean i I do wonder what their parenting styles were like. Well, I mean, for the, for a good portion of 
my childhood, my dad, your grandpa uh, traveled like a lot. He was a regional sales manager for multiple companies, depending on, you know, throughout the years. So he was away on business for quite a, quite a bit. It was basically, you know, mom, mom raised. And then we got to New Jersey and mom went back to work, at which point your dad and I were basically latchkey kids. About how old were you guys when you moved to Jersey? Dad says 12. Yeah, I was going to say was I, was 12. About, I was about eight, seven or eight. That, and that tracks. It was around 77. Okay. No, because no, that would have made me four. And that's not right. Because I know that there, there's a picture of me on our stoop in Massachusetts wearing the revolutionary three, like the three-pointed hat that they used to wear in the Revolutionary War. Uh, and that was the bicentennial. So that was in 76. We still lived in Massachusetts. Um, so... Anyway, grandpa traveled so, a lot. Mom was home. Mom was home alone. And then she started teaching when you guys moved to Jersey. Mm-hmm. Or went back. Yeah, went back to teaching. Okay, right, right. Framing Framingham, I think is is right. But yeah, went back to teaching once we got to Jersey. Because I think they had a very different upbringing too. Because because I know Grandma has stuck up for me before when I talk about like student loans and things like that where when I was in college and grandpa had said something about like school and grades and things and grandma was like yeah but you weren't working two jobs when you were in school either <laughs> like she took up for me on that because I was like I'm good with a B like that's fine I'm not trying to be a straight A student oh yeah so- mom had a they they definitely came from from different places grandpa was the principal cellist of the Erie Philharmonic Edna was a music teacher, I believe. Almost, yeah. In fact, I think I'm. I think I'm positive, which is kind of a silly thing to say. I think I'm positive. It's very funny to say. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Pretty sure that somewhere I have an old, like old hardcover music theory book that belonged to Edna. So they were, you know, sort of. But in the in the cultural scene, I suppose you would say the upper middle class type of scene. Yeah, basically okay. like the art, artsy whatnot. Your grandma grew up in uh, like a little catfishing town in the Midwest. Her dad, my grand, my granddaddy, grand grandfather, grandmother, and grandfather. Very formal with those two. It was not grandma, grandpa. That was my dad's parents. Grandmother and grand granddaddy was mom's parents. He was a conductor on the railroad lines, so they moved around a bit. But yeah, definitely, definitely different different worlds. Completely different backgrounds. And it's so funny because we talk about how Uncle Stephen and Grandma are so similar, and how Grandpa and Dad are so similar. But I'm hearing such a cross there because Uncle Stephen is very into music, like Grandpa, mm-hmm. and Dad is quite country like grandma's background yeah how interesting so I've always just sort of been like personality wise but there's such a cross in like interests and Hmm. all of that Hmm. that's interesting I never would have thought of it that way and I've never really heard about grandma and grandpa's like upbringing and background that much I mean grandma talks about like how her mom would I think grow vegetables and then like can them or jar them. She definitely talked about the jarring that her mom would do. Uh-huh. Oh, and, and her daddy going out into the backyard and twisting the head off a chicken. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I 
guess I never hear grandpa really talk about his history. He doesn't really say a whole lot about that to me, I guess, in my life. But that's so interesting because I never really looked at it that way. Never really thought about that. So you're right. There is a lot of like crossover in in both of them. It makes you look at... (laughs) Makes me look at you, you two, Uncle Steven and Dad, as brothers a little bit more like brothers, you know, in <laughs> in that similarity. I mean, you guys look so the same, but I do see a lot more similarities. And when we talk more about the history of where where Grandma and Grandpa kind of came from and their interests and things like that, to kind of circle back to the differences. <laughs> the major differences, like it's been so great to have you in my life because you do have like so much acceptance and stuff. It's just been super great to have, to be as close as I am with you. And I wish that you would like, I love you so much. And this is one of the things that we do on the podcast. We talk to each other about how much we love each other and how we want each other to see the other through our lens. And I noticed something as you text me and my sister, you say, I'm sorry for being the worst or such an awful uncle or something. And I'm like, I wish that he wouldn't talk about himself like that because you are the best uncle. And I really love and appreciate that you've been the person that I can come to and say, Hey, I'm bisexual. Hi, I have a girlfriend. Hi, I smoke weed. Hi, I've dabbled in some things that are pretty taboo and controversial maybe in our family. And um, you have never judged me and always been pretty your response almost a hundred percent of the time is actually yeah I know which is hilarious (laughs) Um, all that coming (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um so yeah I just I, I that's one of the reasons like I want we wanted to have you on is because you have this this openness and ability to be so loving and acceptance and that accepting and that's what we like to share and yeah I just wanted to let you know that I don't see you as an awful uncle even it doesn't matter how long we go between text responses or phone calls or anything you know it's we you're just living your own life also I'm going to point out that Missy and I were on the phone talking about how we were going to have this conversation with you and she was like oh yeah I'm such an awful niece didn't he text me something (laughs) and so while she's saying talk better about yourself She, she does this. She does the same thing where she's like, oh, I'm the worst niece ever. He said something to me about like something that happened and I didn't respond. And I was like, it was in our group message and I responded and you're fine. Like, what are you talking about? So, and I was like, you just did the same. She's like, ah, oh, I wish he would be nicer about himself. Cause you also said something about like, oh, you need better role models. She's, and oh, yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh. She's like, I'm the worst sister because she's always apologizing because she's not like readily available when I text her. She's like, sorry, I didn't respond. I was working. I'm like, stop apologizing for having a life. You are not at my beck and call. Yeah, Yeah, we We all have lives. We're all adults and managing that stuff. Well, and for me, you know, it comes with, I, I, so Uncle Steven, I'm an Al-Anon now. I do my own 12-step program because being raised by many alcoholics, mm. <laughs> um, I, I need it <laughs> to say totally, the least. Totally understand that. Yeah, I, I've learned through this program that I, ca- I act like an alcoholic while I'm, I'm blessed and lucky that I'm not an alcoholic. And I do find that a lot of people have like 
codependency and people pleasing tendencies that I have that I attribute to being raised in that, you know, scenario. And I'm, I've found that I'm forced because I had that so prevalent in my life. I've also had friends that are addicts. I've had friends pass from overdoses and such things, which is super sad. So, which is super sad and unfortunate, but I, so I pretty much say I was born to love alcoholics and addicts because <laughs> um, I seem to magnetize them. So I really found that surrounding myself with other people that are like that is super helpful because I've learned about myself that that's kind of where that comes from. I'm sorry. I'm a horrible sister. I'm sorry. I'm a horrible aunt. I'm sorry. I haven't been at your beck and call for me. That comes from, I've as a child, I was always trying to please and make sure trying not to set off or rage. And then with (laughs) harsh (laughs) and strict, a pretty authoritarian and easy to disappoint. So for me, that's like where my apologizing for that kind of thing comes from is because I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want to set anybody off. I don't want to make anybody feel unimportant to me, you know, things like that. So I've kind of pinpointed where that comes from for me. And I don't know how deep you want to get into like your stuff, but I, I, I've wondered, like you were there through this last year, it's been really helpful to have your perspective and grandma's also to kind of set a little, a little bit of reality for me. And there's a lot of history and demons there that I don't understand. And there's a lot of stuff, like some of that harshness that I don't understand. And you guys have really kind of helped me understand a bit of where that comes from because like you were able to tell me how you were involved and how it affected you and how you kind of saw from the outside so I just sometimes I wonder like okay I said sorry because that comes from my codependency and like some of some of that issues I wonder if like is that where that comes from for you maybe (laughs) I think part of where it comes from for me I I am what first of all I don't I don't apologize for things like that to too many people. Like it's not, it's not an overwhelming theme in my life that I feel like I'm not good enough or that I haven't done this well enough or anything like that. That's good. So there's hope for Missy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm also not much of a, I don't know whether it's because I spent so much time in the service industry or not. I'm not that much of a, of a pleaser. Like I could, yeah, for the most part, I could give a shit what people think about me. I've noticed that about you. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like there are certain standards that I would set for myself. The reasoning behind me saying that I, I haven't been the best uncle is because I feel like I haven't been very present in your lives when you were younger. I mean... Because you had to like finish growing finish up. college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, so there's also... I'm not saying that there's not some kind of disconnect between what I think and what the actual reality is. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I was a kid myself, a teenager. I was off at college for a large, large portion of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After the whole dissolution of your mom and my brother, I know that there were a lot of hard feelings. There was, I think, not to put words in, in your mouth, Cheryl, but I, I believe that you felt uh, abandoned maybe by, the, by this side of the family. And I feel like, at least in retrospect, that I should have done more do you know what I mean to be more Mm -hmm. to be more supportive to be more sensitive to what was going on to make sure that you understood and I feel like you do at this point that you understand that you are 
family and that I love you regardless. And I don't feel like I showed that maybe as well as. Well, I think there was a lot of like not understanding too. Like it was, it, it was kind of like dad wrote me off for a long period of time where he was just like, okay, so she's not around anymore. Cause I remember grandma saying something like, so when I told dad you were coming to the, the last Thanksgiving that I had at grandma and grandpa's, like I told dad that you were coming and he was very upset. So I'm going to need you to apologize for whatever's going on with you guys. And I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. She was like, you probably didn't. You just need to be the bigger person. And dad had made it clear, like she's not welcome here anymore. But without having like any sort of explanation, I don't know that anybody really knew what the issue was. I didn't entirely understand what the issue was, but it was, it was sort of like he put that up. So I don't know that he allowed for you to even understand that there was a thing that had created and he was putting that boundary and saying, you're my family, not hers. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess in re- in hindsight being what it is. No, I really didn't have any idea of what was going on between your mom and my brother, what was going on with between him and and you or any of that. So yeah, maybe not much I could do about it. In fact, nothing. But uh, I'm sure you know, your father and I do not have the same relationship as siblings that you two have. What? You walk into a a room and everybody knows that your sisters, I could walk into a room and, you know, walk over, shake Eric's hand. And then people would be like, wow, you guys look alike. Yeah. (laughs) Are you related? It's not really ever been a very, ever been a very, like, except for maybe the very, very early years, never really been a very open storybook sibling relationship. That's not a, that's not a thing. Was there just a lot of competition between the two of you? Like what? What sparks that, do you think, from your perspective? Like, why? So, no, I mean, I think it was fairly typical for a number of years. And then when he started to go into that sort of into his addiction phase and started going down that rabbit hole, that definitely that definitely changed things. Like there was all of a sudden distance, either that he or the addiction put or that I put or what. Not really sure, I guess, where it came from. But there's definitely a disconnect, like the he went a completely different direction from anything that I had any experience with or, or knew about. Uh, it resulted in bad behaviors, I guess. There was uh, there was abuse, I guess, to a degree of physical and otherwise that kind of soured m- my, my feelings. It's hard to like somebody that, that hits you or, you know, I mean, there are definitely good memories. It is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> as, as you both know. There's definitely good memories. It's not like there's there's nothing, but it's from childhood, mm-hmm. like really early childhood. There aren't any real, at least none that occur off the top of my head. There aren't that many like teenage memories of these are the formative years. Right. Well, because he started using quite young, right? Oh, yeah. He was. So you weren't quite a teenager because and that's when the age difference is pretty like it matters. Right. Because yeah. he's in his teen years using and you're still like in middle school, early middle school, maybe. Oh, no, honey. It was before that. Um, oh, there was breaks my heart. Uh, middle when I was in middle school, when I was in seventh grade, uh, he was in he was in rehab. So like it was intermediate school for me when he was like 
fifth, sixth grade when all this was really going on. I think my parents did a really good job of keeping me busy so that I didn't know much of what was happening. Like there was always something yeah. for me to do, whether it, whether it was school, whether it was an athletic practice after school, whether it was violin or piano lessons after school or getting involved in this choir or what, there was always something. Right, because that's not something a 10, 11, 12-year-old should have to deal with. No, no, but I mean... Because <laughs> we both did too. <laughs> so right. yeah. We, yeah, so we understand right. that we shouldn't have dealt, none of us should have dealt with that. And that we had to, and that's. And there, you know, there are attendant problems. Everyone, everyone handles those things differently. I was what, I don't want to say that I was an unhappy kid, but I was, there was definitely a long simmering, just kind of angry. So in fifth, was it fifth grade? No, sixth grade, sixth grade, uh, Stevenson to Cross. It was in the middle of class. Uh, we were watching, getting ready to watch a film strip or a movie or something. And a kid named uh, Rob, I was sitting down, he was standing next to me, uh, and he made some crack, some joke about, I don't, honestly, I don't even remember exactly what it was. It was something about, he saw me walking around smoking something, like basically saying that I was acting like druggy back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he was very proud of himself and kind of laughed and looked to the side and then turned back around. And as he turned back around, I stood up out of my chair and cracked him in the mouth with an uppercut, knocked his tooth out and got one of the worst infections of my life in my in my hand. I still have the scar actually on my middle knuckle from his tooth. Um, what? Wow. Yeah, he, he just said the wrong, he said the wrong thing and pushed the wrong button and oops. Yeah, I mean, what about the infection? <laughs> Is what I was. <laughs> yeah, the human mouth is quite disgusting. <laughs> oh I man! Had, I had like a hundred six degree fever. I spent the night at our neighbor's house, Mike and Ginger, because uh, Mike was a doctor, and they had to watch me as I had this infection. Uh, and oh, and that was because my parent, my parents weren't there because they couldn't bring me because I had fever. Couldn't leave me by myself because a hundred five or a hundred six is you're on your way to dead. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it took lots of antibiotics to, to finally get it to work. But, you know, eventually the infection went away. But like, there was a night that I spent over at uh, the Roberts place that I do not recall. Like I was hallucinating just. Wow. Did you ever yeah. punch anybody after that? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I just learned for an uppercut, aim more for the chin, not for the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Love the takeaway there. (laughs) Well, and the other takeaway was that was the last time that from sixth grade until we graduated high school that Rob Kane ever said a crossword to me, Mm. ever. I gotta say, they say fighting's not the answer, but there was a kid who called me a cunt once and I busted his face on the the locker and, you know, he's a a great dad today to his little daughter. (laughs) Yep. Say, sometimes <laughs> sometimes they just need to have their faces broken are you friendly with them maybe we should have him on Facebook friends <laughs> violence is not the answer violence is the question the answer is yes <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh that's terrible <sighs> um so, wow I mean, I like to consider myself pretty, pretty laid back and yeah, very accepting and very easygoing, but there are certain 
there are certain things if you push the wrong yeah. button. Well, I mean, also, so, how much did you have to like go through to get to that point where you're pretty laid back? I mean, because how long were you? Pro- I cannot imagine. Like, I, I when you started talking about like how old you were when it started and like the abuse, like I started to tear up because it breaks my heart that you had to go through that. And it's it's quite the journey to go from being that angry because I, I certainly was that angry at a very young age to get to a place where you can be you know, not, not holding on to that anger. And I think mm-hmm. you've done a beautiful job of that. You've never come across, even when I met you as a teenager, like you've never come across as an angry person ever. I don't think I've ever seen you angry in my life. Frustrated. Yeah. I've seen you <laughs> frustrated, but you're, but you may, you kind of deflect that with humor and you're mm-hmm. hilarious and it's fantastic, mm-hmm. but I've never, I don't think I've ever seen you angry. The closest maybe was this last year when some drama happened. So what did you do? What, what are like things that you did to try to work through and to get to where you are today? Like, how did you, how did you get through that? Music. (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Yeah. Um, I'm serious too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just laughing at how simple. (laughs) Right. I mean, when, when things at, in college, whenever things got like, chaotic or overly stressful or as things do you know it's exams are going on this is going on blah 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 I would lock myself in a practice room for four hours and just sight read my way through the Bach inventions or just something because like Bach for me always put everything in a nice like everything is ordered everything is it's like there's I don't know it's like a puzzle you know because it's all these different voices like there's a melody in this voice and then it comes in in this voice and then it comes in in the other and then in the other and then it's modified and it comes back in over here and it hands off over it's like this little puzzle that you can follow and try to bring out each it just kind of allowed me to shut out the part of my life where I couldn't follow where everything was going Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah it would yeah Yeah, put everything in a nice little box and everything is going the way that that it should be going and that would sort of calm and center and okay now I can walk back back out into chaos and try to work it out. I think that's also where part of that philosophy minor came in. I dove in pretty heavily to a lot of eastern, now I sound like a hippie, I grabbed into a lot of of the eastern uh, stuff. Uh, You know I got really involved into the Tao Te Ching and meditation and made a conscious effort to kind of step away from that kind of angry intensity and made a conscious effort to be a little bit more laid back. It took a few years to realize that I had probably gone too far the other direction. And now I've settled back somewhere closer to, you know, because you can't, you can't tamp all of that down. It's not all bad. That fire. Thank you. Thank you. I agree. I'm, I'm like that. I so resonate and relate to that. Cause I am so like one extreme or the other and it's, I'm trying to learn balance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for a while I was the, I was the pot smoking ponytailed Birkenstock sitting cross-legged in the quad reading my philosophy books, you know, which is, which is great. So awesome. But again, there, that, that sort of underlying heat and fire and drive you can't tamp it all the way out if you do you're just gonna coast and and stagnate 
sort of the rest of your days. And that's, and that's no good either. I completely agree. I mean, I'm working. So for when you just, the way you described music just now and the way like it, there's a way it works and there's an organization to it and there's things kind of moving almost like sequentially and properly. And that's exactly how I feel about yoga and anatomy and movement of the body. And in yoga, there is the philosophy of yoga and there's the yamas of yoga and it ends with self-discipline because there's a whole lot of what you're talking about, not necessarily the pot smoking, which I say is fine. It's part of the process. And, (laughs) um, It's this idea of like stillness, meditation, breath work. And those are literal parts of the process. And part of it is also self-discipline. And it's kind of like, yeah, there's a balance. It's exactly like what you're talking about. Yeah, there were, you took it too far to one side and you're like the Birkenstock cross-legged, <laughs> long-haired right. hippie. Nothing wrong with that. Which I is mean... great. Yeah, and that's still in you. And there's just, there is value to that fire. And I totally agree. I'm trying to learn self-discipline in a sense to get my my yoga business rolling and moving. And same thing with this podcast. It's that It's that theory of, so another another thing that I found would give that order was not only locking itself into a practice room, but doing things like, I'm going to go for a run. And to my roommates who didn't do any sports, really, they didn't really understand what that meant. <laughs> because like after, after three hours, they started looking for me, wanted to know where I had gone. I'm like, but, and I finally came back. They're like, where the hell were you? I don't know. I went like four miles out, ran around a field and came and came back it's like a run going for a run for me was a two and a half to three hour affair like uh-huh. i need to get my head straight by kind of getting out of my head and into my body martial arts does the the same thing like there's a lot of discipline there and yeah. it relates to that bruce lee wrote a book called the Tao of jeet kundo and it's basically his philosophy behind martial art that he started and one of the things is that he encourages you to be like water which is very calm on the surface, but really it can be very churning underneath and still have a very, what, placid outside. Uh Or the old, the Mm -hmm. image of a duck, you know, casually floating across the the water and looks all calm. But if you look under the water, it's little legs are calm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So those were probably my two, my two big outs and trying to, still trying to find the, the balance of doing all that. So that's interesting because I've never tried. I've never tried and couldn't if I wanted to shut down any of that fire. I just have to repurpose it. I had to move away from the anger, but repurpose it because there's no calming the flames. I'm a very passionate person. (laughs) So there's no, there's no shut it, like calming it or whatever. I did start, Missy, you would be proud of me because my, my watch, I got a new Fitbit and it has this two minutes relax exercising thing. And I've done it every day for the last, I think, eight days. So two minutes of just breathing and I'm not good at it. And it tells me every time that you're not good at the <laughs> with the, okay, <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> like I can't keep it, but there is two minutes a day that I'm, I'm like ca- trying to get into my breath, but that's it, yeah. so great. I am. I am so proud of you. And I don't care. always telling me to meditate and I'm always like, but I don't, I don't want to do that. I've got too much stuff to do. And I've got this and I got this and I, and I just keep busy. And so it's like the idea of spending four hours or three hours on a run. I'm like, 
listen, I'll give you like, I'll go, I'll run around the circle, but then I got to get my ass back in and get to this and this and this, like there, there's that's a list. Okay. That's now, okay. Sienna, I don't know if I could spend that time now. <laughs> at, like, I, yeah. At, at this this stage was college, life. right? When you're, yeah. when, you're, when you're a student, like fine, whatever. Like you don't really have any responsibilities, but you know, Unless you're working and I don't think I could have been college. Yeah, I couldn't. I didn't have time for that. Actually, I was work. I was in college full time. I was working full time and I was also doing internships full time. I don't know how I did any of that. So I I I actually was that was the only time in my life. I just get shorter after we turn like 23. Do our days get shorter? They must. Yes. I remember in college being like at class at 7 a.m., and I worked two or three jobs throughout college. They were part-time jobs, but always do it. But like going from one job to another, my professors would say, like, I always know my students that work because they don't come to school and they don't come to class in pajamas and you're always dressed every day. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, cause I got to go to this job, then go to another class. Mm-hmm. I might run back to my dorm to take like a two hour nap before I run back to my next job or. Cause I didn't you sleep have, last you night. Just, you have just described my adult life. Yeah, like, right. Like, I go to I go to a job like my typical Sundays used to be go to my church job in the morning, do the thing, come home, take a two hour nap or an hour nap and then get up and go to work be there mm-hmm. until 1030 at night. And then I'd be in the theater. I would start theater right. rehearsals because I was the assistant stage manager for just about every show, every student performance that was done throughout college till senior year when I got tired of the actresses. And then I would be there until one o'clock in the morning easy yeah and, and then go back and do homework before class at seven. <laughs> yeah again my my mm-hmm. entire college going to classes what do you do after classes well you go and you have a rehearsal with this acapella group that you're in and then you go on a tour someplace when you're on vacation or rehearsals just now have started for the a new production at opera philadelphia so you know like monday you know monday i have off tuesday i'll go to work from seven to three and then i have rehearsal from seven to nine or seven to ten and that's going to be my life for the next month mm-hmm. yeah. every, i'm going to have a rehearsal every morning i still have to have my day job so i'll be running 18 to 20 hour days for the next 30 and that's just the way it is yeah fuck that yeah. is what i say fuck yeah miss it that miss so fucking hard <laughs> she's like i'm I like get- i did it in college and i'm finished never again i don't have enough energy time in the day for that i need to sleep fuck that <laughs> missy gets uh, gets up and has to spend like two hours on her morning routine to mm-hmm. like have her tea and or coffee meditate wake up journal eat, eat. Journal. like this whole process yoga spend 40, 45 minutes trying to figure out how many layers are appropriate for her to wear for the day i started mm-hmm. moving that to the night before because i don't have enough time in the morning <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot to be me in a day. Yeah. I pointed out to her when I was out there visiting. I was like, oh, you didn't have little- to point it out to me, by the way. I-, I was like, it's a little chilly. And she kept offering to go to the car to get like a sweater or something for me. She was really sweet. She was trying so hard to take care of me. She was like, do you want a sweater? And I was like, no, it's okay. I'm fine. And, but she was constantly doing this. So finally, at one point I was like, you know, it's okay. I'm okay with being mildly uncomfortable. <laughs> like, yeah, I can... she did say that to me. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not okay with like, being mildly uncomfortable. I'm like, it's a little, she was like, well, you're cold. And I was like, I'm not freezing. I'm a little chilly. 
right. it's okay. <laughs> like I can live in this state of not perfect temperature. Otherwise I would be a wreck. I'm a little hot right now. I'm going to be, but uh, I might go outside and be very hot and then I'll be uncomfortable, but it's okay to be a little bit outside of your comfort. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For you, maybe. I mean, that's like dad and the, and his, I his know. I am like, I am so sorry. Dad's daughter. So anyway, this has been truly, really awesome. What do you yeah. think, Charles? Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. I feel Thank like we you. could talk to you for another like two or three hours. Well, we could not You're run out of uncle. stuff to talk about. Yeah, exactly. We could talk forever. So we'll have so to do this again. Back. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come back on our to. podcast. We'll have you back at some point. And that yeah, you'll know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's basically, it, it seems like all of our other, what, group chat phone calls, except exactly. got ear cans and funky microphones in front of you exactly exactly that's exactly what this is got the whole blurred out thing worked out pretty well yes she does i don't have anything behind me to blur out my house is a mess behind me i'm not gonna lie there's a shoe rack there's my catch-all table which i'm mostly blocking i love that i mean this this is the cleanest corner (laughs) of my house and there's a swan over my left shoulder so (laughs) yeah this is the cleanest part of mine too so yeah, we did the same thing. We sat in front of a white wall. White wall on a couch. With <laughs> on a couch with our blankets on there. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been so super fun. I also I I learned some stuff like about mm-hmm. grandma and grandpa and like your experience as a young kid. Um, oh, kind of broke my heart a little bit. I guess in closing, I would like to say. I love you. Thank you so much for being on. And we don't hold, we probably don't even need to say this at this point, but we don't think that you could have been any more or less like present in our lives. We know that you were a teenager when we were, you know, when we were born and like going through all of our chaos in our childhood and there was, there's a lot that like we're uncovering now. I mean, that obviously comes with a lot of baggage. So anyway, we're, we totally know that there's, there's a lot more to it than just like, we, I feel like I haven't been present. Like it's, we know that we don't hold. Also, we've also had to go through that period of our lives and that our own guilt. Cause like I had to figure out how to balance being a teenager and in college with a significantly younger sister. Mm-hmm. There's like almost the same age difference between us, between you and I, as there is between me and Missy. Yeah. And Missy and I have another younger sibling so that, mm-hmm. you know, like, so we get it. We get yeah. that, that experience. So there's no grudges there. Yeah. And also there's, it's not, it's also, I don't have that perspective at all. I have memories with you. I've got pictures with you. I have one of the very first things that we were talking about was I referred to you as my jungle gym, you know? So in my eyes, you were very present in my life. So I think that we as adults can always look back on ourselves and see room for improvement. Um, but that was super, never my perspective. I have always mm-hmm. felt my uncle was present in my life. And I had, like I said, memories, pictures, and that's totally one-sided perspective. And yeah. Not mine. 
And there's not very many teenage boys that will get on the phone with a five, six year old niece just randomly all the time. (laughs) So cute. I learned that today. Oh my God. (laughs) That warms my heart. (laughs) And you are at every single one of Guinevere's birthday parties. Yeah. Like you're the only person who's been at every. And that's literally because we all just burnt out. Like, and it, it was way too hot. And we were like, we're just going to abandon ship here because no one's comfortable. Um, Last year? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, this past well, May. Oh, this but past you're the, May. Oh. Yeah, you're literally the only person who's been at every, every single party. That's well, hard you, to believe, but... Uh, no, it's okay, true. You, you, you and Linda. It's true. I haven't been at every single party even. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, I mean, but you also live on the other side of the country so i mean that's fair i changed i changed my location but it it is true it you are one of the there exactly you are one of the only constants in our life so and that's that means a lot thank you means a lot to us (laughs) well good i love you both very much as i'm sure you know so i love you very much Love you. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. This is super awesome. I'm really well, thanks happy for with us. So yeah, of course. Now we want you to check out our website and <laughs> sisterlysituationspodcast.com. Good job. That's the first time you've got it without stumbling. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Someone's been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So, yes. so Uncle Stephen, thank you for being here. Listeners, thank you for listening. And please like, subscribe, download, all of that good stuff. Check out our website, sisterlysituationspodcast.com. Write us if you have any questions. If you have any maybe questions for the next time we'll have our uncle on, you can write in and ah. yeah, we'll do we'll do that. So thank you so much. So I much love fun. you. Yeah. I love you. I love you, Missy. I love you, Cheryl, and I love you, Uncle. I love you, my nieces, and you know it. (laughs) So that's our situation. Thank you for listening and joining us today. Please download and subscribe, like, and comment wherever you listen. Check out our website, sisterlysituationspodcast.com. And email us at sisterlysituationspodcast at gmail.com. Also, please check out my lovely sister's yoga website, (laughs) consciousyoga.tv. Thank you. Thank you.